0: Welcome to the podcast today. We're really excited. You got a new book coming out called "Hunting for Discomfort." Could you just give a little bit of background on that and where it's all coming from? I'm very. We mentioned right before the call. I'm excited about this. Dis- of what prompted you to write the book?
1: Yeah, right on, Mike. Well, thanks for having me. First of all, it's an honor and pleasure to join you for this, and excited to dive in. Um, you know, people oftentimes come to me and they say, "Sterling, I'm." Uh, have all this discomfort with these relationships at work and my finances and my kids and everything else in my life. And my answer is always the same. That means that you're not hunting discomfort. You're living with it. And it's where most people spend their lives and where most businesses start to plateau. And I arrived at this not because I like discomfort. In fact, I I wish um, everybody nothing but comfort and the best things. But from a really low point in my life and my career, I found that not only is discomfort a necessary component of the human experience, so much so that if you're denying it, you're denying a part of yourself but it is required to create breakthrough results in business and frankly, in life.
0: Why is that? Why is it necessary? Because there are some things out there that say, follow your bliss. Things will just start (laughs) unfolding naturally, or you know what I mean? And, and, (laughs) And there's a lot of talk out there that say, hey, if you're hitting all these walls, you might be really lost and you should be looking for something. It could be a sign that you're on the wrong path. You're saying just the opposite. You're saying charge into this, right?
1: Exactly. I mean, discomfort's a necessary component of how we relate to the world and how we see reality. And I mean that in the broadest sense. Uh, You know, as part of doing the research for the book, I found this really interesting case study about, of all things leprosy, believe it or not. And uh, there was a study in the 1800s where they understood that leprosy and all the terrible effects of losing limbs and your skin deteriorating was not due to the bacteria itself it was due to the bacteria numbing or creating an inability for that person to feel physical pain. And then when they would bump their elbow or get a scrape, they wouldn't pay attention to it, give it the care that it needed and it would eventually deteriorate. So discomfort actually orients us properly to the world. Now, where we get stuck, Mike, is that our orientation is a little bit off and we confuse discomfort with real danger. Oftentimes the discomfort we feel of standing up in front of the conference room or you know sharing an uncomfortable truth with something, with somebody is not actually dangerous to us. It might be dangerous to our ego, but it's not dangerous to us. And as we can better orient ourselves to discomfort and properly respond to it in the world, that's what's going to give us the breakout results. If we're purely in comfort, we just won't get there because we can't see the world and experience the world as clearly as we otherwise
0: can. Life is full of uncertainty, risk, and loss. And so so many people are searching comfort just so maybe they can sleep better at night. What are the steps to bring good discomfort in that doesn't... Because, you know, if you think about, oh, hey, I read this article the other day. It was so just about, hey, we have about 4,000 weeks to live, which is yeah. like, I, you know, the articles like that, I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't even see that number. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, because right. you know, it, it, it's hard to go, okay, now I got to get back. How do you hunt for discomfort? Well,
1: I think underlying our whole conversation, I think it's important to say discomfort, we're talking about in the broadest sense of the word. So it could be fear, could be anger, could be grief. Um, could be embarrassment, anything that 's uncomfortable for you, we would define as discomfort okay. and where we meet discomfort doesn 't really matter. I found this research at the University of Michigan, and they were studying, of course of all things discomfort. Uh, they were looking at people and doing brain scans, body scans on people that went through physical discomfort like they broke a leg or something um, emotional discomfort. Let's say they lost their job or broke up with a significant other. And they were watching what happens in the brain, what happens in the body as they're going through these different types of discomfort. And what they found was mind-blowing to me. No matter what kind of discomfort a person was going through, physical, mental, emotional, the body and brain processed it almost identically. So much so, I didn't know this before looking at the study, you can take acetaminophen or Tylenol, And it will make you feel better if you're dealing with some emotional discomfort. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's mind-blowing to me. The, The step that I took from there is, well, if how we process discomfort is the same everywhere, we can get better at dealing with it anywhere. It turns out that discomfort is a muscle that you can build. Everybody knows you go to the gym to build your biceps. Well, if you want to build your resilience, your ability to create breakthrough results for your business, or even yourself personally, you develop this ability to hunt discomfort. So that's kind of the baseline of of where we start to dig into those all.
0: Um, To go a little bit further, well, let me pause there. Does that all make sense so far, by the way? It, It does. One of the things I hear people say, and you probably hear it too, is I think sometimes people Interchange something that's hard or difficult with something that's uncomfortable. I'll I'll, I'll go to a conference and uh, people go, hey, did you go out running this morning? You know, and I'll say, yeah, and they go, you know, I just can't do that; it's too hard. And it's like, well, it's not hard, right? You just there's nothing <laughs> put really one big... foot in front of the other. Yeah, you're doing yeah, it right I mean, now. <laughs> I mean, you're not you're not stepping out a barge on Normandy Beach. That's hard, but yeah. you know, setting your alarm a little bit earlier and even just going for a walk on Lakeshore Drive in Chicago on a spring day. It's not hard. It might be not what you're used to early in the morning, but it's not hard.
1: Exactly. And that's just a a characteristic of a misaligned discomfort muscle, right? It's not properly aligned with reality. And um, oftentimes what gets in the way of that is not only people saying that it's hard, but in more of a, a business context, there's all these reasons, rationalities, and um data that you can point to to say oh here's why i'm not doing that now yeah. don't get me wrong i think data information studying things learning new things all hugely hugely important but oftentimes it becomes a shield for the person or the team or the company to protect themselves from facing discomfort usually the risk of maybe looking not so good or not looking exactly how they want it to look When in reality, it's not a shield from discomfort. It's a cage that's locking you into the results that you already have. Now, if anybody is happy with the results that they have, by all means, don't hunt discomfort. You're there. But if there's an area of your life, an area of your business where you don't have the results that you want, and I mean that holistically, it could be more money, it could be a bigger business, or it might just be more joy and happiness. What's between you and that result is simply discomfort. When you find it and hunt it, that result will just naturally arise.
0: You and I've talked a little bit about the hero's journey. It is yeah. a natural phenomenon with four transformation. You mentioned the muscle, but in any kind of growth, that discomfort is, is natural. It's actually part of the process that you're going into something unknown, you're learning things. Some of it's uncomfortable. <laughs> But exactly but you're, but you're coming out of it differently it's an anti-fragile and it's, it's an, we respond we get we grow stronger through this process correct
1: exactly it you know it's really funny mike you know coming out of uh that big business that personal crash i was in you know i started piecemealing this thing together uh and other people started listening to me and developing it themselves and creating these tremendous results and then i came across joseph campbell's work and I'm like, what? <laughs> this isn't some like brainchild of sterling this is actually a way for humans to grow that's been the same throughout all of eternity you know joseph campbell for those that don't know spent a lot of time i think it was in the 1940s yes yeah, yeah. yeah. um looking at all the stories and epics and religions all over the world and he condensed it into what he called the hero's journey the steps that all these heroes similar steps that all these heroes go through And it's famously, you know, the foundation of star Wars and all these other famous movies and songs and everything else. And it turns out, it's also a great way to live. It's an an instruction manual for life, because as you say, if we're in the world of comfort and certainty, we're stuck, we're static, we're not growing, we're not changing, we're not doing anything new, which is extremely perilous when the world is changing as fast as it is around us. When we feel uncomfortable, Some of us or all of us is moving into the unknown that requires the courage to step into that unknown that starts that hero's journey for us. And it is so transformative, not only for people like Luke Skywalker that go through it, but for all of us. So transformative that from where we sit today, we literally cannot imagine the results that are on the other side. It requires stepping into it. To find out,
0: yeah, and that's not easy. It, it seems no. like Joseph Campbell, at least in his interviews, he said the sadder part of the hero's journey is that mo- most people don't take it. There is a huge step right. in that journey where the hero kind of says, I'm not doing it, and even in Star Wars. A movie luke skywalker was complaining about being on this lousy planet then he has this offer to go mm. and do this adventurous thing and his gut reaction is i'm not doing this and he doesn't yeah. really step on board until he goes home and his family's been killed his, right. his uh, step parents have been killed so the it does become a cage because most people are they're more comfortable being in a place that they don't like rather than stepping into something they don't know that would likely have a, a better outcome
1: yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's that old saying, better the devil you know than the devil you don't.
0: Right.
1: You know, your results right now are the devil that you know, even if you hate the circumstances that you're living or operating in. And it requires stepping into that unknown. I think one of the most powerful ways to do that, Mike, is by um, making a commitment. And not just any old commitment, but what I would call getting a tattoo. Like, how do you commit so deeply There's are no going back? And I'm not talking about uh, keeping yourself an escape valve or a plan B or any of that stuff. I'm talking about committing in a way where you literally have no choice but to move forward. Now, you can do that in big ways or in small ways, but no matter how you do it, when you commit like that, you close the door on the past, and the results that you had. And you move into a new future. Now, it might not be exactly what you want. It might not go exactly as planned, but it does move you from where you are. And then when you're in that new place, you can make another commitment and move
0: again. Certainly one thing I think that I have found as I personally start to do this is one thing it definitely steps me out of is any kind of, if you're in that uncomfortable situation and you don't want to move out of it, you sometimes and I think it happens quite often, Uh, people feel like they're a victim of something. And they, instead of maybe taking full ownership or what uh, Jocko Willick would say, extreme ownership of your life, you kind of put yourself in a victim mode where you're the victim of the world around you rather than an active player in it. You're almost painting walls on this cage that justifies why you're in this cage.
1: Exactly. Because that is the safer way to go about things because it preserves your values, ethics, beliefs, how you view one of three things yourself, another, or the world. And when you hold on to those things as the truth, not a truth, it, it does lock you in. Now, you know, a lot of times I'll work with people, especially entrepreneurs that want to be this like phoenix rising from the ashes, because it's such a a sexy, um, nostalgic image, right? It's easy to forget that the phoenix is rising from the ashes. It's rising from the fires of something that's burned. And what is burned is your views, again, about yourself, others in the world that just weren't working or not working as well as you want. And to let go of those things is a very painful process, but it's exactly because of that that a new greater potential inside of yourself can actually arise.
0: What I've seen is it seems like this is very hard for people to do when things are just okay. You know, you had to have a business law. Oftentimes people have to lose some uh, a loved one, maybe go through a divorce, yeah. get a very unpleasant diagnosis at a doctor's office. You know, that incitement or that enticement into the unknown is because you've really lost something this steady state has become so unpleasant that you are stepping into the unknown. It's hard, I think where it gets hard is if things are just unpleasant, but okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? where, right. where you don't have that in, in uh, what, what the Hollywood call that in, inciting moment where, uh, you know, it triggers people to step in. I think it's, it's really challenging for, Hey, you know what? Things will be okay. I won't be a hundred percent happy, but I'll yeah. be okay. If I stay in this cage.
1: Yeah, well, and the truth is you will, for a while, be okay. Uh, You know, just like early on in my career, things were fine. I didn't have to question anything about my views or beliefs or go into any kind of discomfort. And it was fine for a while. But just like what happened to me, if you're not hunting discomfort, if you're not going after those things that are just fine or you're just living with or they're uncomfortable, but at least you know how they're uncomfortable so you can just keep going with it. Discomfort will hunt you. And, you know, I don't wish it on anybody, I was saying earlier, but just as uh, just a function of the speed that the world changes, especially these days, uh, things will change so much that unfortunately, you'll be forced into a situation that's going to be very uncomfortable. And I figure better to go out and hunt the dragon before the dragon comes to your town and burns it all down.
0: The cage looks tempting at the beginning, but it will grow more and more uncomfortable either in your mind or other ways.
1: Right. And it
0: turns out that discomfort, the
1: state of humans being in an uncomfortable position is almost a superpower. Uh, Research out of Yale shows that when you're uncomfortable, you can learn up to four times faster. (laughs) Like, you know, I, I wish I knew that in college, I'd be sitting on a bed of nails or something in that boring lecture. Yeah. But you know, when we're just sitting in comfort and we're managing things, and we're uh, maybe we don't like our results, we don't like the situation, but we're living with them, we're placating them, we're uh, maybe medicating them. It's it's just not the optimal way for you to operate. Yeah, I think one of the most powerful things that I've discovered on this journey, with you know, countless hours of not just research but coaching and support from uh, many many other people that get me to where I am now, is that. If you're denying discomfort in any form, you're ultimately denying a piece of yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you're denying a piece of yourself, there's no way, just no way you can reach your greatest potential.
0: You need all of you to reach your full potential and discomfort just happens to be part of it. One of the things I think that makes it harder is we live a, a pretty comfortable life right now, right? Everyone complains things aren't as good as they used to be, but actually if you're alive right now as a human it's 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 a very good time to be alive in the whole history of humans on earth <laughs> you know? right. like your odds of actually dying of something uh either a virus or actually you know your odds not too long ago of getting killed by someone else from a warring tribe or something or just death premature death was extremely high right. and it's in a lot of that and you see in and, and our comfort level with mattresses and air you know you go from an air-conditioned car to an air-conditioned building Mm -hmm. and you know if i'm sure you've been on planes when the wi-fi goes out and you think the plane's going down and it's just (laughs) like well (laughs) you know so you don't get to watch one of a thousand movies while you're traveling at 500 miles an hour sitting in a chair it is kind of part of anti-fragile was they, they outline like, hey, you know what? You're supposed to be hungry a little because our ancestors were hungry. You know, so fasting occasionally isn't bad for you. And, oh, by the way, it's pretty good to get hot sometimes. And it's also pretty good to be cold because you're actually, I guess the premise of that book was that you actually uh, kill weak mitochondria within your system. And you actually get much stronger by that. So that, that you know, you're not getting killed. It's just a little bit of, of being uncomfortable makes you a much stronger person.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean it's it's that discomfort muscle and I think it's you know an incredible achievement of, of many societies today where you know we can work on Zoom, I can be entertained on Netflix and fed by Uber Eats delivering food to my door. Like I literally don't need to be physically uncomfortable for you know I could live out my days that way in theory. Right. But we need to choose discomfort these days and when we we hunt it we turn towards it we open ourselves through it uh you know we you know build the courage to step deeper and deeper into the unknown Uh, not only do we make more money and free up more time but we create much deeper connections with the humans around us and that's where all the joy and happiness is
0: as well I've been really getting into weightlifting and, um, and the perspective nice. that this person on podcasts, because that is one where you just, if you're doing it right, you should be uncomfortable, right? That's, and you see right. physical, it's, it's probably one where you really see almost an immediate return on uncomfortable. She's one of these ultra uh, marathon or racers. And she's saying uh, she has this idea of a pain cave. She's not really trying hard unless she's exploring the pain cave. Now it's a little bit but her, but her whole thing is like for her Sounds so
1: yeah, ominous.
0: Yeah, it does. But but I've used it a little in weightlifting saying, "Okay, am I just am I really kind of and, and it's not pain, right? When you're lifting weights there's there's this stress and I guess you could injure yourself and feel pain. But the lactic acid builds up. You're not you're not going to die from the pain. It's right. just it's just un, to your point it's uncomfortable. But it, it it's been interesting cuz I'll start lifting the weights and i go, "Okay, am I really in Am I really uncomfortable? And I use the mentally. I'm using the word "pain cave," saying, "Am I in the pain cave, or I'm just am I just messing around with this weight right now?" And it 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 it, it, it's kind of made me kind of go, "Okay, I'm digging in." And like, how far can I go into it? Like, really, how how many reps can I do before I have to stop? And that's really the key to weightlifting, right? Is you know not to overdo it, but to really tax that muscle to the point of uh, fatigue. So yeah, well,
1: and not just weightlifting, but. To everything, it's it's the same way, you know. That research out of University of Michigan: discomfort is discomfort. It doesn't matter where you meet it. Uh, but I think what's important around that is it, it's not the pain, it's not the discomfort itself that is going to give you the gains. You know, that might be necessary access to it, but a required step um, is actually the last step. And the no matter what system in the book, and something that I call surrender. Not give up, not put down the weight, not stop pushing forward, trying to raise money, trying to do sales. In fact, the opposite. It's actively and intentionally accepting things exactly as they are and exactly as they're not. Uh, Carl Jung, famous psychologist, I'm, I'm sure you and many of uh, your listeners know, he said that um, we cannot change anything until we accept it. Condemnation does not liberate, it oppresses. So if we're you know under that squat bar or pushing up the next set in the bench or trying to raise that next round of money, if we're wishing that we didn't have that pain, we're holding on resentment that things should be a different way, it's that physiology that's actually going to be holding us back. And so the, the pain is access, but surrendering to it gives you the progress.
0: Right. Like this this is a necessary... Uh, uncomfortable situation that you just have to go through. If you're not raising the money on your business, there's a reason for it. And you have to figure that out before you move forward. It's not, right. it's it's a roadblock. It's an intentional roadblock that you have to go through to make your business better, right? Or, or to make right. your story, to message better. You know, well, so-so.
1: and like we touched on earlier, that discomfort is part of you, right? Wishing it away is, you know, if you look at it this way, it's ludicrous. Like, why would you be wishing away part of you that's going to be necessary in achieving the results that you want to achieve? Like, you need that piece. And even though the emotions might be uncomfortable around some of these things, it doesn't mean they're bad. And in fact, if you're trying to not feel bad emotions and only feel good emotions, it's impossible. You can't selectively numb. You're either going to feel all of them or you're going to feel numb of them. Or some, you know, somewhere on that range in between. Right. And so, you know, my work is all with businesses and developing leaders. And, you know, how do we build a culture of high performance inside of companies? But oftentimes it gets very uh, personal because discomfort's different for everybody. And they've, they've got to move through it and open themselves to it.
0: I think one of the things, if there's a disservice Hollywood does to this process is it kind of sugarcoats the uncomfortable parts, right? That mm. uh, that's when the movie, like that's when rock, the Rocky music starts. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's, I don't know if there's anything more difficult than training for a boxing match, you know, and, and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, there, there, there isn't a crowd of people. If you're doing that, no one, you're getting up at four in the morning and no one's running with you. You're running alone right. and there's no music. You can have music going, but uh, there's no soundtrack going in that. And it can be much scarier than people might imagine.
1: There's no question, and I actually don't think people can do it by themselves. I think they require uh, what I would call street gang, surrounding yourself with very specific people that are going to help you grow. And the key components of that are, you know, the first one's maybe obvious and many people hear about it, is accountability, right? Mm-hmm. Being specifically accountable to somebody on a specific date, specific time, with a specific deliverable. Doesn't mean that you have to do it. You know, sometimes we we get lost and you know, we can't achieve what it is that we committed to doing in the amount of time that we had, but having that accountability will increase your likelihood to achieve that. Research shows by 95%. It's absolutely critical. I, I think self-accountability is fine for maintenance. Like if you're already a runner, likelihood is that you're gonna be able to keep running on your own. You know you're accountable to yourself, right? But when you're really growing, especially growing in big ways, it can be so disorienting that it requires somebody on the outside to kind of true you up to see where you are. Because as we were saying before, you know it's just going to be far too easy for you to rationalize why you can't achieve what it is you want to achieve, right. and with somebody else to kind of trues you up to say, nope, that's my mind playing tricks tricks on me again. That's me. Um, Avoiding discomfort, which from an evolutionary standpoint is very smart, but it's not going to get you to where you want to go. Just briefly, the other things that you need in a street gang are some mentorship, somebody that's going to show you the way that ideally has taken the way before. They might provide uh, specific tactics, tools. They might even make introductions. You need uh, love and support, which is hugely important and I think oftentimes overlooked. You know, as you're questioning these things about yourself, you're giving up old ways of being and acting, you need somebody that's going to accept you and love you no matter what. And I don't care if that's a a parent, a loved one could even be a child, but you need that acceptance to be able to go through this kind of growth, especially in big ways again. And the fourth component of a street gang is inspiration, right? What's going to light that fire inside of you and get you connected to that, that purpose That Simon Simic would say that why inside of you that's going to be the lifeblood to move you forward through some of these more challenging times.
0: In society, we don't necessarily have that street gang necessarily available to everyone. There does seem to be a lot of lost people out there and they don't feel all those elements you just outlined. A lot of people don't feel those in their life. And it's unfortunate, but it, it may be one of the reasons people stay in the cage a little bit longer than they do is that there isn't those components out there necessarily in the world offering right. that up. Yeah, well, I,
1: I think many business cultures, many cultures in general, have mistakenly committed to comfort. You know, we don't mm. want to offend anybody. We don't want to say the wrong thing. We want to look this way. And and don't get me wrong. I, I don't think people should be purposely offended in the workplace or anywhere else. Right. But when you uh, make uncomfortable conversations. Uncomfortable, not welcome anywhere. You're going to move further and further away from productive interactions. It's something Fernando Flores would call. He's a business writer, fantastic business writer, by the way. Um, He'd call it cordial hypocrisy. You know, just kind of paying lip service of, oh yeah, that was that was great, good job, good effort, right? It doesn't get to the meat of what truly happened. And if you're not at what's truly happening, you can't act effectively to improve it.
0: And also, I think a lot of businesses don't reward risk takers. A certain amount of uh, the penalty for doing something and and failing in a lot of businesses is not uh, necessarily rewarded. They'll find another person. Yeah. uh, Right. Yeah. Well, I
1: think some businesses, especially the more successful ones, figure out how to build discomfort into their culture. I'll give you a couple quick examples. Um, you know, maybe the most overused would be Amazon and Jeff Bezos, and maybe not for the reason you think it's not just about innovation and the budgeting and how they do the, the two pizza team meetings and all those things. It's the fact that, that their motto is uh, day one. So no matter if you've been there 10 years or it's your first day, everybody is looking at their job, those around them, the systems, the processes, everything like it's their first day, which is just inherently a little uncomfortable. They've built discomfort into the fabric of the company uh, with obviously uh, incredible results. Then you've got something like Tata and Indian Automotive Company, if you're familiar with them, yep, they've done something pretty ingenious where they've said, okay, whoever has the biggest failure this year, biggest failure, we're going to reward them with a cash prize at the end of the year. Oh, wow. Right. like it it calls them into the discomfort of failure. It normalizes it within their culture, and of course they're going to be successful. And uh, Nixon mckinds an agency out of Boston. They've created what's called the uh, Church of Fail, where they get together, I think it's on a weekly or maybe it's a monthly basis, where they all share their biggest uh, missteps in the preceding weeks. Again, acclimating to the discomfort, of messing up, of doing things wrong. Because we all know if we're going to get new results, we're going to try new things. Failure is going to be an inevitable part of it. And these companies have figured out how to build that into their culture to produce some of these results consistently over time.
0: Yeah, they're building a culture that, uh, to your point, builds that muscle, right? Exactly. You know, uh, Ray Ray Dalio's Bridgewater also does that. It kind of strives for transparent feedback. So, and some of it, I think it's morphed in the media as, as something a little draconian, but they, they really kind of, I think it's one of those firms that has little patience for, you know, BS, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so they just kind of tease that out very quickly. And if you have an opinion, you better be able to back it up. But then if everyone's like that, it ends up being a much strong, like, to, you know, they're, they're kind of pushing on those muscles saying loudest voice doesn't necessarily win. Maybe the best argument does. Yeah. I and think they so, call it
1: truth to power, don't they?
0: Yeah, they do. And, yeah. and and it's so it kind of democratizes things and says, okay, wait, build an argument and uh, we'll listen to it.
1: Well, it, it's something I'm going to have these numbers wrong, but at least be directionally correct. It's something like 88, Percent of the S and P 500 will not be the same in 10 years. Right. So only 12 percent of them are going to make it the next decade, which really isn't all that long. No, it's it's your right, <laughs> like, like with the pace of change only accelerating around us. We need to grow our own ability to change and adapt or grow, not to have some breakthrough results. But these days, it's cost of entry. You need it just to keep up
0: that is a great example because those aren't willy nilly companies. Those are companies that have been have all the things going for them that make them on that, that put them on that list. And it's just to say, you know, to know that they won't be on that list in in a very short period of time, really. Right. Um, Well, it goes
1: back to what you said when, when things are fine and going, okay, it's very easy to make the argument for not doing much else. But I I think the grocery industry especially saw something incredible happening during the pandemic. Not only, you know, do I appreciate all their service and, you know, all their team members putting themselves in, in harm's way, especially in the early months of uh, um, early 2020. But I saw innovation in grocery like I have never seen before from some of the legacy players. Like all of a sudden, they were launching new e-commerce tools and they changed their point of sale systems and they had ticketing systems and line systems. All of these things they implemented in Sometimes a matter of weeks, which is light speed in any industry, especially grocery industry. Yeah. And some of the things they implemented, I had heard from some of the same executives that were doing it. Ah, we can't do it right now. It's going to take too long. Our ITs, um, you know, too backed up. It's going to be a three-year project. And then next month they do it, right? Not because yeah. they wanted to, but because they needed to. And it goes yeah. back to you know what we're talking about with commitment. As soon as you give yourself an escape valve, uh, you're going to fall back on it. Yeah, and the, well, the pandemic was just something that was enough to push us all uh, forward. That n- n- you know, myself, nobody would wish on anybody, but it was enough to get
0: people uh, moving in a new direction and implementing new things. This is great advice, and I really appreciate you being part of the podcast today. Hunting for discomfort is coming out June 21st. Do I have that? Do I have that? That's correct? right. Yeah, it's and, just uh,
1: hunting discomfort. June 21st, but pre-orders are available today. My publisher. Keeps harping on me to say that.
0: <laughs> oh, no, I uh I, I pre ordered mine through Amazon already, so I'm, I'm all right, I am i can not wait to get it. Congratulations on getting the book published and going through that. I'm sure that's a hero's journey unto itself, right? There's a fair mm-hmm. amount of discomfort in that lonely process of putting filling an empty page, right?
1: Yeah, there's, there's no question. I mean, it, in one way, it's been like a, a 10 year journey, and the other. The journey didn't really start until I signed with the publisher, I don't know, about 18 months ago and, and we got to work, but it, there were some lonely times, especially like 5am when I got up to write, but it really took a, a tremendous effort, not only from the publisher, but from the PR group, um, you know, the folks on my team, everybody uh, has come together to make this thing a success. And, you know, like I think anybody, we can't achieve any big things like this book launch without those around us helping, uh, helping us get there.
0: So the book's out on Amazon. Uh, yeah. It's available six twenty one twenty two, and where else can they find you um, on the internet or LinkedIn or uh, how, how, to be- how does how does someone best find some of your other um, the no matter what series those types of things.
1: Yeah. Best way to find everything and anything about me is sterlinghawkins.com. Uh, maybe we can drop a link in the show notes or something, yep. but there you'll find information about the keynotes, the work we do with companies, all of our social media, uh, and one of the coolest aspects of it, the no matter what community and how you can get involved with that.
0: Hey, thank you very much for being part of the podcast today and best of luck. I'm sure the book, I, I think this book is coming out at a like you and I were talking before, I'm just seeing discomfort becoming more of a conversation out there as people start to take a look at how to change things. Because, uh, you know, we talked about the The I think we are in a too comfortable world. (laughs) And and I think people with your perspective, like not only should you experience it, but you should really look for it is I think needed. Uh, statement ethos to go out there because I think it, it is too comfortable for a lot of people. And it does lead to probably th- that comfortableness leads to uh, unhappiness in the long run. So uh, people should always be challenging themselves, no matter what uh, stage of life they're in.
1: I couldn't agree more. And I hope uh, you and all of our uh, listeners here today will join us on the hunting discomfort journey and we'll create some breakthrough results together.
0: Thanks a lot, Turing. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Likewise. Thank you.